Well, welcome, you guys. Welcome tonight to uh, City Church. Uh, thank you all for being here on a Sunday afternoon. That's kind of when our, our church services uh, have been uh, right now in this season. Uh, we are doing a uh, kind of an Advent kind of weekly topic, and uh, today we're going to talk about joy. Uh, we started off by talking about hope. Uh, last week, we talked about faith, and uh, we specifically talked about the faith that Mary and Joseph must have had, the faith that Mary and Joseph must have had to uh, trust God when an angel appears and tells them that, you know, you're going to have a baby and, uh, you know, you're going to have to walk this entire journey. You know, we all assume that Mary and Joseph probably lived this great life because they were the father and mother of Jesus, uh, but really they had a very difficult life. In fact, from the very beginning, they had people probably doubting uh, their whole story because if you guys remember, Mary got pregnant and it wasn't Joseph's, okay? Tell me in your uh, neighborhood or in your community or whatever that the rumor mill uh, would not be going around of how did she get pregnant, right? Even though Mary and Joseph were saying, oh, no, it was God's. It was God's baby. People are going, yeah, right. Yeah, right. And, and, and even uh, we talked about even Joseph's faith. Uh, the faith that Joseph could have completely distanced himself from this situation. He could have left Mary uh, pregnant all by herself, all on her own, and said, you know what, this is your problem. Why don't you deal with this? Uh, but uh, he decided that, you know what, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to be obedient to God, and I'm going to uh, have faith that God has a purpose. And, of course, we all know what God's purpose was but Mary and Joseph may not have really understood uh, completely in that moment. So we're now going to talk uh, about um, uh, joy. Thank you. Joy. Uh, we're going to talk about joy uh, tonight. And how many of you remember the TV show um, Extreme Home Makeover? Okay, it's not on anymore. But how many of you guys remember the TV show Extreme Home Makeover? Okay. I was trying to think of like a TV show or something where, where you saw pure like joy on people's faces. And I was thinking to myself, yes, the, the TV show Extreme Home Makeover. And if you guys remember uh, the very first like season, especially the very first show, it was basically just like a, a very simple remodel. And then by the time the show ended, they were completely tearing down people's homes and rebuilding brand new, beautiful, uh, you know, almost mansion types homes for these very, very deserving people. And they would find people that were uh, going through hardships. Uh, they would find people that were desperate. I'm talking desperate for something, desperate for a change. You know what I mean? They were, uh, you know, maybe defaulting on their loans or, or uh, maybe it was a military family that, you know, they just couldn't afford or whatever the situation, they always tried to find one of those stories that really like, tugged on your heartstrings. And sure enough, the, the, the final scene would always be, they were always standing behind the big bus, right? The big extreme home makeover bus, and they got the family standing over there, and, and uh, the guy would always yell, move that bus, and the bus would go moving out of the way, and they would zoom right in on that family, and that expression on their face was all I can describe, pure joy, right? Pure joy. I mean, excitement, elation. Sometimes somebody's crying, right? Somebody's weeping. Somebody's screaming. Somebody's, I mean, there was like the myriad of emotions, the myriad of responses 
But I just kept coming back to, wow, you know what? If we could relate that to our spiritual lives for a second, right? If we could understand that our lives at one point were a complete disaster, okay? Like an extreme home makeover, that the house is falling apart, right? And maybe many of you sometimes feel that way. You know, I feel like my life or everything around me, it just always feels like it's falling apart. And that is what ultimately our story is. See, if we go all the way back to the beginning and if we understand when sin entered the world, you see, God created this world without sin. It is, it is us, it is mankind that brought sin into the world. And because of that sin, now we have separation from God. And because we have separation from God, our lives are falling apart. But then God has a plan and his plan is to send his son to die for our sins and to completely redeem us back, to bring us back. Our reaction to this story, our, our, you know, should be complete and utter joy. It should be like your life was a complete mess and now you're standing behind the bus, the bus moves and there is God and Jesus saying, welcome home. And you know what I mean? The emotion, the, whether it's the crying, the shouting, the, the whatever it is, that I have to believe is joy. And that I have to believe is our response when someone comes us and tells us that guess what? You have been saved. Everything has been redeemed. What was turning to rubble in your life, what was complete disaster in your life is now being rebuilt and you are giving, being given new life. To me, that has to be the description of joy. I want to look at, of course, the story in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I will read it. Uh, I read it out of the New Living Translation. I have it up on the screen also if you uh, want to follow along. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quinerius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's uh, ancestral home. He traveled there uh, from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. And because there was no lodging available for them, the shepherds and angels that night uh, were the shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guiding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast uh, host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. 
peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And uh, after seeing him, let me read 17 again. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I love that phrase. I bring you good news that will bring Great joy to all people. Tonight, we're talking about joy. We're talking about this meaning of, of why Jesus came to earth and, and the significance of it and, and how our response should be. And again, if you understand why Jesus came, then your response is joy. Your response is, you know, that perfect picture of, you know, the extreme home makeover reveal, and, and everything that you thought was falling apart has now been brought back together, and you've been given new life. I want to talk about the shepherds just for a moment. You see that the shepherds were outcast uh, in this time. The, the shepherds were, uh, you know, they were stinky. They were always kind of lived on the outside. Um, they were kind of uh, loners, they, you know what I mean? They, they weren't necessarily the people that everybody wanted to hang out with. So there was a significance and a purpose of why the first people that were announced that Jesus had been born, that, that were told that the Messiah was, was here, were shepherds. The purpose of this was to let all mankind know that it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter. And by, you know, back then it would have been status. It would have been that, you know, if you were the wealthy, the elite, you know, it didn't matter uh, what, you know, where you came from, what your heritage was, how wealthy you were, that God had come, that Jesus had come for all mankind. That even the shepherds, right? And the shepherds, I, I have to, you know, probably think that this was their life, just sheep herding. That was it. That was their life. There really wasn't much to it. But yet they were the first ones that the angels told that the Messiah had been born. And, and what great joy it must have filled them with because they went and they told everyone. They couldn't keep it to themselves. I mean, you know, when, when you find out some really, really good news. Now, by the way, and you can ask my wife, I am a terrible person to tell any type of, you know, news to, right? Any type of good news. She's told me, you know, she, Matt, you can't keep a secret. And it's just because I get so excited sometimes about maybe the news that I have found out or, or whatever. So, like, by the way, if you're pregnant or anything like that, don't tell me. I make sure that I'm the last to know. But, you know, there's just that, you know, excitement that when you know something, right, and that you just want to share it with the rest of the world. And, and obviously these shepherds, the very first to find out that Jesus had been born. In Psalm uh, 2, verse 12, it says this. It says, submit to God's royal son, or he will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities, for his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. 
Christmas is an exciting time. But there is an other side to that coin that we need to be real and honest with ourselves. You see, sin is a very real thing. Rebellion against God is a very real thing. And there is punishment for that. But like this scripture says, but what joy for all who take refuge in him. But the great thing is, is you have an opportunity that when you accept Christ into your life, that that's when the joy comes. That's when the joy fills your life. And that's when that wrath then is diverted. And we all know that Jesus came, and if anything, he took that wrath upon himself so that you never, ever, ever have to experience the wrath of your own sin. We do have a choice. God has not hidden himself from us. He is available and, and in fact, has a, a, a pursues you. Not only is God available to you, but he is constantly and, and ever pursual for you. Psalm 511 says this, but let all who take refuge, refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy. But what is joy? What is joy? Joy, joy is definitely more than happiness. Uh, I, I love that Linda addressed the fact that Christmas is not always a, a joyous season for everybody, right? Especially if you've lost a loved one, uh, if uh, maybe you're going through hardship. Just because it's Christmas doesn't necessarily mean it makes you happy, right? And that's a reality. But that's the difference between joy and happiness. You see, joy is, is that deep knowing, right? And, and I, I found uh, Rick Warren says it this way. He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. I thought that was a great description. I, I mean, I definitely could not have said it better myself. Because of Jesus, you guys, because of Jesus, we have joy. And hear me what I'm saying. I'm not saying happiness. I'm not saying that the minute that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, all of a sudden you're going to walk around as this happy person all the time. But you will have joy. Because in those really, really dark times, you'll remember you'll remember that ultimately my life is saved. Ultimately, I have a hope. Remember that hope that we talked about. And that's what brings joy. Jesus, because of Jesus, we have joy. We have joy in his salvation. We have joy in his salvation. In Acts 4.12, it says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There are many other options out there. There are, there are different religions. Uh, there are different groups. There are, even if it's not a religion, there, some people trust in other things. They trust uh, in money. Uh, they trust in their job. They trust, you know, whatever it is that they are, are, are putting kind of their hope in and, and putting, you know, writing their lives upon. But this statement is very, very true. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Psalms 51.12 says, 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. I love this scripture because it's when David, King David is lamenting of his own sin. And he's saying to himself, if I had remembered, if I had remembered the joy of my salvation, if I had remembered that, you know, God's love for me, I may not have fallen into that temptation. I may not have fallen into that sin. So for the Christian, don't forget your salvation. Don't forget the joy of your salvation. And maybe for those of you who are unsure, you know, understand this, that there is only one name that can save you from your sin, and it is the name of Jesus. We have joy in his spirit. John 14, starting in verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will, pray the, uh, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, when, after Jesus' death on the cross, after his, uh, uh, you know, he comes and he uh, resurrects from the dead and he shows himself he eventually, Jesus ascends back into heaven, and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. But Jesus tells his disciples, and this message is for, for all of us who believe. He says, listen, don't worry. I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you, right? I am sending you the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus operated in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, during his time here on earth. And he's saying, Jesus said, you know, this, I will paraphrase, but he said, you remember all the things that I did? Remember all the healing and, and, and raising people from the dead and casting out demons? He says, and greater works will you do than the power of the Holy Spirit, that when you have the Holy Spirit within you, you know, you will be able to do everything that Jesus did and more. This should bring joy to us that we're not left here alone, that we're not have to just wait and, oh, man, we have to just suffer and endure God doesn't want necessarily, he's not asking you to just live this suffering life as a Christian. He wants you to live a bold life through the power of his Holy Spirit. Also in Galatians 5.22, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and it goes on. Joy in his love. Because of Jesus because of his love for us. In John uh, 15, starting in verse 9, it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. You guys, this is the message 
This is the message of Jesus. This is why Jesus came to this earth. This is why, you know, we look at the manger scene, and this is why it should fill us with joy, is because the ultimate message is love, is that God so loved you that even when you were in your sin, even when, you know, going back to the analogy, even